2 Kings chapter 2, if you'll stand with us, and verse number 13. The Bible said he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And notice this phrase, And Elisha went over. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight. I pray that you would, Lord, touch us, give us the liberty and the vocabulary to preach We don't want to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to do anything that would be a show of the flesh tonight in any way. But I pray, God, that you would be pleased, that you'd be glorified and help us tonight. We certainly need help from heaven. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number 14 in just a moment. But notice with me very quickly four things Uh, that we draw out of this text. First of all, I want you to see here the clothing of Elijah. Notice in verse number 13 that the Bible says that he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And then in verse number 14, it says the exact same thing, that he he took the mantle of Elijah that had fell from him. So here we see the clothing of Elijah. I think it's important because Elijah takes this mantle when he goes down to the river Jordan and he smites the water and the water is parted. And as Elijah is taken up into heaven in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire, we know that the mantle has fallen down. So it's significant, the clothing of Elijah. Then there's the conduct of Elisha. When Elisha takes this mantle in verse number 13, notice what the Bible says he does. It said he went back and he stood by the bank of Jordan. So Elijah catches, Elisha catches Elijah's mantle and he goes back and he stands uh, by the river Jordan. You say, when well, I preach your what is so significant about that? We'll see that in just a moment. But I want to call it to your attention for just a moment. And then I want you to see the comment of Elijah in verse number 14. The Bible said he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, he smoked the waters, and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Elijah, when he made this statement, this comment, he's not asking this question in defeat nor in doubt or in discouragement, but he's saying it in great victory and in great faith. He knows where the God of Elijah is and he's calling him forth to come and to do for him what he did for that great servant of Elijah. So there is the comment of Elisha. There is the conduct of Elisha. There's the clothing of Elijah. But in this last phrase of verse number 14 where we want to preach at, tonight, I want you to see the crossing of Elisha. The Bible said that when he had smitten the waters that they parted hither and thither and the Bible says that Elisha went over. I think that is significant tonight because the Bible places great emphasis on Elisha crossing the Jordan. If you go back to verse number seven, the Bible says, and 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. I believe in mantles tonight. You've heard preachers preach on passing the mantle, and we've heard people talk about mantles, and I do believe in mantles tonight, but if we're not careful, we can treat a mantle 
sentimental as a lucky charm. We can treat it uh, uh, in a mystical or sensational way. I don't believe in mantles tonight near as much as I do believe what happens in verse 14, and that's the crossing of the Jordan. I remember Brother Stenet Blue used to ask me this question. He used to ask, probably about five years before he passed away, he probably asked me this question two or three times. I think I've shared it with you, but for the sake of the message, I'll mention it once again. He would ask me, he said, you remember when Elijah went up into heaven in that chariot of fire by a whirlwind? I said, yes. He said, it always bothered me that Elijah went over on the wilderness side of the Jordan and he was carried away. He didn't leave from Canaan's side. Now we know that Canaan is not a picture of heaven, but it's a picture of the victorious Christian life. And he said, you know what bothered me, Elijah, being the victorious Christian that he was, that he went to heaven from the wilderness side. I said, yes, I don't understand that. He said, well, can you figure it out? I said, Brother Balloon, I said, if you can't figure it out, I doubt very seriously if I'm gonna be able to figure it out. But you know, I was reading this some time ago and this text just came back to me and every time I would come to this text, I would think about what he said. And tonight, I wanna preach on this subject. I wanna preach on helping the next generation to cross the river helping the next generation across the river. You see, I think what happens in chapter two, and I wish Brother Blue was here for me to run it by him tonight, for him to either say amen or straighten me out on it, whichever the tune. But you know what? When we come to chapter number two of this of Second Kings, I think that this possibly could be one of the most important parts of Elijah's ministry. As he goes down to the river there, he smokes the water, and he leaves the side of Canaan, and he crosses the Jordan and he goes back over to the wilderness side and he takes Elisha there. Now that's important I think for several reasons and we'll mention tonight but what he does uh, is he brings Elisha over uh, for this reason. We notice the reason in verse number one it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah to heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. You know that's interesting because it doesn't say that Elisha went with Elijah but it says that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. There's a reason that they're making this crossing because Elijah is about to leave here. Now just stay with me. We're headed somewhere, as I promise you. But the reason is, is because this is Elijah's last day on earth. And so they're leaving from Gilgal. When you get to verse number two, down to verse number six, uh, we not only see the reason, but we see the route. Uh, there's a route that they're going to take and the Bible is going to highlight that. When you get to verse number two, Elijah says unto Elisha, Terry here I pray thee, notice this, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And so he asked Elisha to stay there. But Elisha says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I'll not leave thee so. Well, they went down to Bethel. They get in verse number four and Elijah says to Elisha, Terry here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I'll not leave thee so they came to Jericho. Look at verse number six. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. So do you see the route? They leave Gilgal, they go to Bethel, they go to Jericho, and then they wind up at the Jordan. And there they are at the Jordan. And so we see the river in verse number seven and eight. As the 50 men of the sons of the prophet that 
stood and viewed from afar off and they too stood by the river. Elijah takes his mantle, wraps it together, smokes the water and they go over on dry ground, the Bible says. Now why is that so significant? I think it's, this, I think it's significant for this reason. Elisha grew up on the Canaan side. He grew up, my friend, under the shadow of Elijah when Elijah came. And you remember the story when he called him out. I know he wasn't a young man or young boy then, but he was a part of Elijah's ministry. And he saw great miracles. He saw the power of God. You remember that day when Elijah took that mantle and put it on him? The Bible said that he burned his oxen and he walked away from everything that he knew. That's, that's a picture of surrender. And he surrendered to God. He spent the next day serving the man of God. That's a picture of servitude. He served the man of God. But now the man of God is fixing to leave. And it's Elisha's turn. It's Elisha's time. Elijah is going away. And Elijah, what he does is he takes him back across that river. You say, preacher, why is that? Because every man, every woman, and every boy and girl has got to come to that place. You see, that's a picture of the spirit-filled life. On one side, you've got the wilderness, the carnal Christian life. You've got Jordan, a type of death, and dying out to self, and crucifying the flesh. And on the other side, you've got Canaan, that victorious Christian life. Well, Elisha could not live on Elijah's coattail. He couldn't just run on that mantle, amen? I know we make much of the mantle, and it'll tear up a whole lot of sermons tonight, but the truth of the matter is, Elisha was gonna have to have more than a lucky charm if he was gonna live for God. He was gonna have to have more than riding his preacher's coattail. He was gonna have to have more than just being in a good environment. You know what was gonna have to happen to Elisha? He was gonna have to cross that Jordan for himself. He was gonna have to, it's gonna have to, you see, it was gonna have to be personal. Canaan was real to Elisha, but when he crossed the Jordan, when he smoked those waters, it became personal. You see, tonight you can be raised in a good home. You can be raised in a good church. You can be in a good atmosphere, but you can't ride your preacher's coattail. You can't ride your mom and dad's coattail. You can go to a good Christian school or be homeschooled or whatever. Listen, you can live for God and all those things, but listen, you can't ride that as a crutch. There's got to come a time when you've surrendered to God and you've served others and you've served God. There has to come a time in your life when you make the crossing for yourself. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about service tonight. But I'm talking about the spirit field of Christian life. There has to be a time when you die out to this world, die out to self, die out to the flesh, and you live for God. Amen. It had to be real to Elisha. And as they're standing there in verse number eight or verse number nine, I notice here the request. As it says, it came to pass that when they were going over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion, notice this, of thy spirit be upon me. What's interesting is that Elisha could have requested anything. He could have asked for the mantle, but he didn't. He asked for a double portion of the Spirit. Now that's a little less, so it's not the Holy Spirit. It's Elijah's Spirit. But what Elisha had saw in Elisha, 
or Elijah, he had saw the Spirit of God working in him. He knew that Elijah was a real man of God. He knew that Elijah walked in the power of the Spirit. He said, I want a double portion. What that double portion means, you know this, it was the inheritance that the eldest son got. He got a double portion whenever that father would, would pass on. And if you look at verse number 12, Elisha cries out to Elijah and he said, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, he was his son in the faith is what he was. And so he says, Elijah, I want a double portion of thy spirit. I want what you've got, Elijah. I want to follow the same path. I want to hold the same row. I want to have the same ministry. I want to walk in the old path. I don't know about you, but when I think about men and women of old, when I think about saints of God that have gone on before us, I think about preachers and I think about deacons. I think about godly Christians that have come up even in this church that have went on before us and they've outstripped us and they're in heaven tonight. I'll tell you what I want. I want Canaan land to be personal in my life. I want it to be real in my life. I'm telling you, listen, I just don't want to know about it. I don't want to just be reared up around it. I want it to be real and personal in my life. What they've experienced, the path that they have trod, the life that they have lived, I want to go that same route, don't you? I want to thank God cross that river. I'm not an authority on it tonight, but I can say this, I have crossed that river. I have been on the other side and am on the other side tonight. I'm not a perfect Christian. I've not done everything right, but I'm glad I know what I'm talking about tonight. I'm glad I know that there's more to this Christian life than just mechanical service. I'm glad there's more to this thing than just working yourself to the bone. I'm telling you the power of the Holy Spirit, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, it's a reality and you can have it tonight if you desire it, amen. Not talking about some Pentecostal charismatic experience. I'm talking about something that can be real every day of your life, amen? But you gotta cross that river. You gotta get over on the over self. You've got to die to self. You've got to leave the wilderness behind. You've got to leave that wandering behind. There's so many people sitting in our churches today, they have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about even preachers who doesn't know anything about it anymore. They think a smooth outline and a good, a good delivery is what they need. They think if they're homiletically and hermeneutically correct, that everything's gonna be okay. I'm telling you, there's a touch that only comes from above. There's a power that can only come from within. There's something that God can put his hand on a man and take him beyond himself. He's just flesh. He can't do anything within himself. Oh, but I tell you, if he's been across the river, if he's been in Canaan's land, he knows what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. We need spirit-filled preachers. Spirit-filled singers, spirit-filled saints, Sunday school teachers, Christians tonight, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Is your Christian life going in the right direction? Which side of the river are you on? Are you on that side where you're half in and half out? You go to a good church, you hear preaching on a weekly basis, you told a King James Bible, but the truth of the matter is uh, you're still wandering in your Christian life. You're up and down, in and out, on and off. I'm gonna tell you, it ought to not be our testimonies as a Christian that we're always struggling, that we're always having a hard time. You say, Brother Gravely, don't you struggle? Well, sure I do, but I don't 
don't get up and give the devil credit about it. Amen. You say, don't you have hard times? Sure I do. I don't get up and feel sorry for myself about it. You know why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I'm telling you, if you're going to say anything for God, make sure it's good. Make sure it's positive. Make sure it blesses his name. You know why? Because the God on the mountain, he's God in the valley. Amen. And spirit-filled people don't go around with their lip pooched out all the time. They don't go around singing the mullet grubs. They don't go around, listen, belly aching and whining. No, no. It doesn't mean they don't have heartaches. It doesn't mean they don't face great trials. But there's an inward power. There's an inward spirit. There's an inward joy. There's an inward strength that helps them and sees them through their hardest times. I remember hearing Brother Sammy say this several times. He said that if a spirit-filled saint is going through a trial, you'll have to discern it because it'll take another spirit-filled saint to discern it because they'll not talk much about it. That's the difference between the, the strong and the weak. Only you can classify yourself tonight. But the strong in God, I, I've watched them down through the years. I watched Brother Charles Roach for, I think, 17 or 18 years he had that Parkinson's disease. Never complained about it. Kept coming to church. Sit over in that prayer room and testified and shouted and shaked. I'll tell you, if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have, uh, if you'd have shut your eyes, you thought you was listening to a man that didn't have a problem in the world. But for 17 plus years, he, he walked through that valley. He suffered that in his body every single day. And I'll tell you, you could ask him to give a word of testimony. He'd never talk about his trial. He'd never talk about how hard he had it. He never talked about how rough it was. You say, how could he do that? He was filled with the Holy Ghost, amen? He is full of God's what it was. I'm telling you, listen, that the feeling of the Spirit, it'll strengthen your inner man. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle like other people. I'll tell you what it does. It helps you rise above the struggles. It helps you rise above the problems. It gives strength for the journey in a way that's beyond explaining. I'm telling you, listen, Elijah. Elijah is standing there. And Elijah says, before I leave, Elijah, what is it you want me to do? He said, I want a double portion of thy spirit. And I see the requirement in verse number 10. He said, thou hast asked a hard thing. You know, the hard thing in verse number 10 was the spiritual thing that Elijah, Elisha asked for in verse number nine. You ought to ask God for some hard things. I'm not talking about, well, Lord, I'd like a three-story house. That's not a hard thing. That's a carnal thing. Can I get an amen? And if you got a three-story house, I don't care if you have a 10-story house, more power to you. I'd hate to clean it, but, you know, help yourself. <laughs> but a hard thing is, Desiring those things that, that you can't obtain within your own self. It's those spiritual things. So the requirement is in verse number 10, he said, Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Elijah within himself did not even know that was the business of God. And so in verse 11, he says, And it 
came to pass as they went on and talked. I wonder what they talked about. Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. We see the removal and Elijah went up by a whirlwind unto heaven. Notice verse number 12. I like this first phrase. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his clothes and rent them in two pieces. Can you get the picture here? There was walking along, they're talking on the wilderness side of the Jordan. That chariot of fire comes and it separates them. Elijah's taken up into heaven by a whirlwind and listen, Elisha looks up and he sees it and he says, my father, my father, I'm telling you, he saw the glory of God. He saw the power of God. He saw the fire of God. Elisha got up and he saw it. No wonder when he picked that mantle up. Uh, listen, he could have stood on that side of the Jordan all day with that mantle, but it wouldn't have done anything. I tell you, it wasn't the mantle that empowered him. He walked down to the banks of that river. He said, how did he know to do that? He saw the man of God that was before him. He watched what he did. He knew what he did. And he followed what the man of God did. He wrapped that mantle up. He smote those waters. And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Amen. And the same God that helped Elijah cross one way, helped Elisha cross with the other way. I'm here to tell you tonight the God of D.L. Moody and the God of Charles Spurgeon and the God of Lester Olaf and the God of Harold B. Seitler is the same God tonight. He'll fill you and he'll thrill you with his spirit if you're willing to cross a river and trust him tonight. Hallelujah. Gotta die out to self. You gotta get self off the throne. A dead man has no voice. He has no desire. He has no appetite. He has no feeling. You have to die. If you want to be filled, he smites the waters. And I ask myself this question when I come to verse number 14, Elisha went over. How did Elisha know how, how did Elisha know how to cross the river? Somebody taught him, didn't he? Elijah taught him how to cross that river. You know why our churches are so lifeless? Because there's nobody to teach another generation how to cross over and be filled with the Spirit. I remember asking Brother Allen one day, I said, you know, I, I said, preacher, I said, how come you don't hear preachers preach on being filled with the Holy Spirit like they used to? And you know what? He was drinking a cup of coffee. He never even looked up. He said, because they don't preach on something they don't know nothing about. We don't hear that much about it like we used to. There's more... To, to this thing than just being saved. There's more to this than just going to church. Brother Bobby preached Wednesday night. I believe it was the perfect will of God. He preached on having fellowship with the Father. If you didn't hear that message, you ought to go back and listen to it on the podcast. Brother Bobby preached about fellowship. Just simple truths, wasn't it? Just things that we've all, for the most part, we know that, and we need to be reminded of. But I'll tell you the great truth of what he preached on Wednesday night is the great truth of what we see here in this verse tonight. You see, if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to be filled with the Scriptures. Amen? And to be filled with the Scriptures, you've got to be empty of this world. You've got to be empty of self. You say, preacher, how do you cross that river? I'm going to tell you how you cross that river. You've got to get empty. You've got to get everything out of your heart that don't need to be there. 
You say, I don't even know how to do that. You just steal away every day and pray. You just get you a prayer place. You get you a prayer closet. You confess everything you know to God. And what you don't know, you ask them, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And every time the Holy Spirit shows you something in your heart that don't need to be there, you confess it immediately and you forsake it and you get it out of your life. And listen, that's just part of separation. And I'll tell you, then you separate to the word of God. You pour the word of God in you. Colossians said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You let the Bible be in your soul. You read it just like the preacher said Wednesday. You read it every single day. Listen, you spend time. You're not too busy and I'm not too busy to read our Bible. I'm telling you, if we got time to take a shower, if we got time to brush our teeth, if you got time to get on social media, if you got time to read a newspaper, if you got time, listen, to go outside and cut the grass, you got time to read your Bible, amen? It's more important than any of those other things that I just mentioned tonight. But if you're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to let the word of God be in you. And then you've gotta be surrendered to his will. You gotta be willing to do what he tells you to do, when he tells you to do that. And if you'll live each day like that, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can cross over Jordan and you can cross into the land of Canaan. There's joy in it. How do you know how to cross? I'll tell you how. Because Elijah taught him how to live. In verses two through six, he says it several times. Verse two, verse four, and verse six. Elisha says to Elijah, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth. Elijah had taught Elisha some things about living. You know what bothers me about churches today is that we have preachers and we have people in leadership that are telling our people that you can go to church, you can love God, you can shout the victory, and you can live any way you want to. It's not a bigger lie the devil ever told than that. You can't do that. You, can, you may be saved and, and you may live a carnal life. But I'm gonna tell you, if you're uh, saved and you're living a carnal life, you cannot live a spirit-filled life. Listen, none of us are perfect. None of us are sinless. Uh, I'll tell you, if you're gonna be filled with the Holy Ghost, you're gonna have to live for God, amen? You have to get up with a purpose in mind to do his will, not your will. That means you can't go get a job he don't want you to have. That means you can't go get a, a vehicle he doesn't want you to have. That means you can't go out there and just do whatever in life you want to do. How many self-inflicted wounds do we have because we just did it our way rather than did it God's way? We did something without praying about it. We convinced ourselves it was a good idea. I'm telling you, I need God to lead me every day of my life or I'll make a mess of my life, amen? And God led, the, the Bible says this in verse two, verse four, and verse number six, everywhere that Elijah went, he made this statement to Elijah. He said, Terry here, I I pray thee, notice this in verse two, for the Lord hath sent me. The Lord hath sent me to Bethel. The Lord hath sent me to Jericho. The Lord, in verse six, hath sent me to Jordan. If Elisha knew anything about Elijah's life, he knew this, that where he leads, I'll follow. How about it tonight? Do you follow him? He, learned him? he taught him how to live. He taught him how to cross. Because in verse 8 and in verse number 14, they're almost exactly the same. Elijah does in verse number 14 exactly, or Elisha does exactly in verse 14 what Elijah did in verse 8. He taught him how to cross. You know, people like these men of God, Brother Berman Cape, 
Brother Allen, Brother Ballou, these great preachers of the past, they've taught us how to live, haven't they? They also taught us how to cross over. They weren't your average Christian. They weren't sons of the prophet, I promise you. They were the Elijah and the Elishas of our day. You know the amazing thing about the sons of the prophet, if you look at verse 7, they're at the Jordan, but look where they're at. They stood to a view afar off from the Jordan. When you get to verse 15, when Elisha comes back over, you know where they're at? They're in Canaan, but they're at Jericho. Brother Noah, they'd been around it all their life. Oh, they'd been in Canaan. They knew what Canaan land looked like. They knew where it was at. They had trod again, but it never became personal to them because they never crossed the Jordan like Elisha did. They're at Jericho. You know, I think there's a lot of people sitting in good Canaan churches, but in their heart, they're at Jericho. Oh, they hear that leather lung preaching, that King James black back book. They, they, see the, they see people shout and praise God. They see souls get saved like this morning. The only thing is, and they're as saved as anybody else, but the only thing is they're not moving up anywhere. They're just existing. They're viewing it from afar off. They're standing on the banks watching others cross over. But they never cross themselves. You might be here and say, Preacher, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Well, maybe you don't. But I'll tell you, if I was you, I'd be finding out. I'd go back and listen to this sermon 15 times over. I'd go back, I'd come back and ask me 15 questions. I can't promise you I'll answer them all, but I'll point you to somebody who can. I'd be finding out that there's more to this than, than just being saved. He's real tonight. I'm telling you, God, He's not just real on Sunday. If the only time God was real to me was on Sunday, I would wonder where God was at half the time. I'd be up and down, in and out. I'm not telling you I don't have discouraging times like others, but you know if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to live your life always in a yo-yo. You don't always have to live your Christian life uh, wondering, uh, uh, listen, where you stand with God. You don't have to always live your Christian life defeated, discouraged, uh, and despondent. Oh, no. I'm telling you, if you ever cross a river, listen, you won't, listen, you won't be like a calf looking at a new gate. Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, as the songwriter said, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own and the joy that we share as we tarry there none other has ever known I'm telling you God's as real at the house and sometimes he's more real at the house than he is at his own house he'll get real going down the road he'll get real in the pages of the word of God he'll get real in the prayer closet you get to church some churches and they'll look at you and act like why do you want to shout why do you want to act that way you will know the truth of the matter, we just can't help it. Amen? I'm telling you when that wheel inside that wheel gets a turning on the inside, I thank God it gets real. And sometimes it's just in a song. Sometimes it's in a sermon. Sometimes it's in a verse. You don't ever know when he's going to show up. But when he shows up, thank God I'm no stranger to it. Hallelujah. He's real. He taught him how to cross. I'll tell you what this next generation needs. They need to know how to live for God. They didn't know how to cross. They didn't know that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. If you're gonna live for God, you're gonna have to live for God. And then he taught him how to pray. He said in verse number nine, he said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon thee. 
Look at verse 15. When the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him. Notice this. Look at what they said. They did not say the mantle of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. But they said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. You see, there's problems with mantles tonight. Because if we make much of the mantle, oftentimes it elevates personalities. Making much of the mantle can build pride. It can become a lucky charm, as I've said. It can be a discouragement to others who feel as if God has passed them by because they didn't get no mantle. I remember a man asked me that one time. He said, did you get Brother Cape's mantle? <laughs> I said, well, I said, he gave me a London Fog Code. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> I said, that's about the only mantle I got. <laughs> I said, I don't, know what you, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a funny thing, Brother Cape never talked to me about no mantle, but he sure talked to me about the Spirit of God. You know what that means? Everybody can cross that river tonight. Amen. While some men are chasing mantles, others are crossing rivers. And I'll tell you tonight, the Jordan River, that type of death, uh, hear me tonight, young person, you listen to me tonight. You're saved and thank God you're saved. Uh, a young man, young lady, you're saved. Uh, you don't have to be a preacher to enlist for what I'm saying tonight. If you're saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, then he has a desire and that's to fill you. That's to control you. That's absolute surrender. And if you'll surrender to the will of God, then you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you've got to somewhere get on an altar and die out to yourself and say, God, it's not what I think. It's not what I want. It's not who I think I am. Dear God, I just bow myself before you. I'm saved. I'm surrendered. But I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and it'll change your life. I'm not talking about a crisis feeling. I'm talking about being controlled by the Holy Ghost. He, Elijah taught him how to pray, how to cross, how to live. Then let me close with this tonight. He taught him how to leave in verse 11. You know how Elijah left? He left in a chariot of fire. He left in a whirlwind. I've seen a lot of people come into church in a whirlwind. I'm gonna tell you tonight, Elijah, he left. When Elisha saw him, he saw the fire of God, the glory of God, the power of God in that whirlwind. Now hear me tonight. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to leave this world. I want to leave this world on fire for God, don't you? I want to leave this world. This old body may get frail. It may, it may falter and it's going to fail, no doubt. But I'll tell you, I want to leave with the fire of God in my soul. Brother Cape, I didn't mean to talk so much about him tonight, Brother David. But he'll tell you. When he got ready to die, he said to his sons, he said, pray for me. Pray that, laying on his deathbed, he said, pray for me that God would touch this old frail body and let me preach one more time. Isn't that what he said? Laying on that deathbed. He still had the fire in him. That's how I want to go tonight. You know why them older saints kept walking up? Some of them can't now. Do you know why they kept walking up in this choir? 
in their 80s, late 80s, and singing because they crossed the river. Long time ago, and it was real to them. See, we got to get another generation to get across that river. Because all we're doing to a lot of young people today and young adults, and I know there's some here not that way, but I think they'll agree with me. We always have to pump and prime and push. But I'll tell you, when you get along with God and you get full of God, they won't nobody have to push you. They won't nobody have to beg you to come sing. Hey, some people probably can't sing, but they go up in the choir. That's what the choir's for is for people who can't sing. You know that, don't you? Everybody's covering us up. That's right. If you can't sing, don't sing a special. Go to the choir. And don't get under one of them microphones when you can't sing. Come and get off a little bit. Now, if that makes you mad, it's because you can't sing. You're like me. I never have figured out a person, the worst person in the choir to sing once they get in the microphone every time. You know? But you know, hey, come on to the choir and sing. Don't retire. Don't sit down. Don't take a vacation. Keep plodding along for God. There's no quitting place, is there, tonight? Hey, I want to say this to some of you tonight. Some of you are, and I say this as your pastor, I want to help you. I already said my heart tonight. It really is. Some of you need to go deeper in your Bible. I'm not in authority on it tonight. God knows. There's not been one day I felt like I've read enough Bible. But some of you, you need to put the Reader's Digest down. Quit buying a Southern Living magazine. Come on now. Burn them romance novels. Somebody say amen right there. All that mess. Amen. Throw that Sports Illustrated. You don't need that anyway. Somebody say amen. Throw that stuff away. Quit reading the news. I'm not against the newspaper, but some people, they live in the newspaper. They read every word of the newspaper and not even one chapter of their Bible. Throw it away tonight. I really, God put it in my heart in December. Preach on sin in January. Preach salvation and on the home in February. And pray for revival, the spirit of revival. Not a meeting, but pray for the spirit of revival in March. And I believe God's answering that tonight. But I tell you what I, what I pray. I wish some more church members would cross that river tonight. There's some preachers that laugh at what I'm preaching on because they've never, been across, they've never been crossed it. They think it's nothing but they think it's nothing but foolishness. But Elisha goes down to that river and it was his turn. Elijah smote the waters when they went over. Brother Blue was here. I'd say, Brother Blue, I don't know, but this is what I think. I think Elijah crossed that river on the wilderness side to take that servant over there so that he by himself for himself so Jordan could become personal to Elisha and it did didn't it he walked down there and he took Elijah's mantle but it wasn't Elijah's mantle he was dependent on it was the Lord God of Elijah and when he smote those waters he said where he is and I'll tell you nothing happened until he said that where is the Lord God of Elijah and God parted those waters 
And there must have been some victory in Elisha's soul. Probably something he didn't have when he followed Elijah over. But there must have been some personal victory when he crossed it himself. It's good to be in a good church. It's good to sit under good preaching. It's good to be around older saints and have good, uh, good role models in your life. It's all wonderful. But there comes a time when it has to be personal to you. You have to want more than just the run of the mill. Elisha did not want to be a son of the prophet. He didn't want to be standing over there at Jericho viewing what was taking place. He told, he had his opportunity to just be ordinary. Elijah said it to him many times. You stay here. I got to go to Bethel. You stay here. I got to go to Jericho. You stay here. I got to go to Jordan. But Elisha had been too close to Elijah. And he said, oh no. As the Lord God liveth and as thy soul liveth, I'm not leaving you. This may be the last day you're here. I'm not leaving you. I tell you, we need another generation. that, And I think we got one here tonight. That'll say, I'm not leaving the old time way. I'm not leaving old fashioned preaching. I'm not leaving the old songs of Zion. I'm not leaving. I'm staying with what I know. Boy, didn't he see something when that chariot came. He said, I saw it. My father, my father. He saw the chariot as we stand tonight. Have you died out to self? Have you surrendered your will to God's will? Is it personal? Has there ever been a time? I'm not talking about a sensational, charismatic, mystical feeling. I'm just talking about a simple time when you got on the altar and said, you know, it's not about the preacher. It's not about my parents. It's not about my spouse. It's not about even the church that I go to. And Lord, I want to cross that river. Lord, I'm tired of being up and down and in and out. I'm tired of always living on this wandering side. Lord, I, tonight I die out to myself. I take self off the throne. And Lord, more than anything, I want to live a victorious Christian life. It's just that simple tonight. Lord, I want to stay in the Word of God. And I want to stay on my knees. And you may fail. You will fail. We all fail. Lord, I want to be consistent. When I fall, I want to pick it back up. I want to stay in, I want to be a strong Christian. Lord, would you help me? Give me that victory. Give me that joy that comes on the Canaan side. I don't want to live in unbelief. I'm tired of living in doubt. Lord, I'm trusting you tonight. That'll work. While we sing, if you need to come, you come. Let's sing tonight, dear brother.